Hello everyone, I'm your host Mike Janello, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Mental Makeup Podcast. Over the course of this pod, we're going to be taking a journey into the minds of everyday people and their individual journeys to success. We're going to cover everything from the definitions of the word success to guests' individual journeys through life. We will try to uncover some of the mental makeup to what drives the everyday person to success and hopefully provide a blueprint for those people who find themselves stuck in their lives. Our first guest is a special one to me. At a young age, this guy just wanted to play hockey, and for a long time, he was on the path to to a successful college career. But Mother Nature can sometimes be a fickle bitch, and he found himself permanently sidelined from the sport he loved. Now he's the main hockey broadcaster at a Division II hockey school, runs a very successful college hockey podcast, and is on the path to becoming a professional broadcaster after school. Please welcome to the pod my younger brother, Ezra Janela. How's it going? Good. It's great to be sitting down with you and finally doing this. I know we've talked about it for a little bit, but happy to have you on. Very, very successful podcast. Might be a little bit of an overstatement, but I, I love it. We uh, we hit a milestone the other day, just hit triple digits in the followers on one of our social media accounts. So That is, that is awesome. We're definitely going to get into the pod a little bit, but I want to start from a young age growing up with hockey what got you into the sport what fascinated you about it what uh what started you on your journey uh in the sport of hockey uh so it's, it's actually really funny when i when i look back and think of like my first memories in the sport it was always going to iceland where you started playing hockey and, and hanging out in that little arcade they had where the pro shop is right now yeah uh, and, and going during your games and, and asking mom and dad for quarters so i can go play games and then when I turned six or five or six years old, I, I looked at mom and dad and I said, I, I want to play hockey too. I want to be a goalie, which it didn't last very long. Something about having rubber pucks shot at me didn't sit well. So I started playing hockey and, and the more I did it, the more I enjoyed it. And I started to get pretty good at it. So I figured why not continue? Yeah. So we started, obviously, like you mentioned, you started at an early age as a goalie. I uh, didn't really like getting the pucks shot at you a little bit. So transition to defense. Tell me about what in the sport drove you to want to continue and find success. I know at a young age, a lot of players are just kind of doing it for fun, but I, I feel like from a very young age, you were kind of very driven and wanted to be successful. So tell me what what uh, what was going through your mind at a young age to want to be a successful hockey player? I mean, uh, when I was really young, it was just, I loved being at the rink. Um, I loved skating at practice. I loved skating in games. I loved skating at open skate and open hockey and going uh, over winter break and, and when and, and summer breaks when you're going to the rink and you're there for five six hours doing two a day on those those camps those those were the best growing up and then as I kept going getting older and older hockey just became more prevalent in my life and it was something that really defined who I was and I wanted it to be something more than just a hobby so I, I put in the work that needed to be done to make it that big part of my life yeah I remember when when I was in high school so you were still maybe a little bit younger we kind of came up with this grand scheme that we were going to build a rink in the backyard and mom and dad told us that you know they would they would provide all the stuff but if we wanted a rink in the backyard we were going to have to build it ourselves and the two of us were so driven to want to have our own backyard rink that we took all this stuff that they bought from us for Home Depot and we figured out a way and we built ourselves a little backyard rink but little did we know, growing up in South Jersey, it was only going to be cold enough to skate on half the rink for maybe one week a year. Um, but mom and dad were definitely dedicated to letting us have that rink, and we would skate on that little 
pat, tiny patch of ice that we would get in the backyard for hours and hours and they'd have to come dragging us out just to get us back into the house late at night. Um, so tell me a little bit about transitioning to high school hockey and you know that's kind of a big step for a lot of people. A lot of guys are a lot bigger. Uh, we were a little bit late in the development stages so tell me about getting into high school hockey as like a smaller guy and how you kind of found success as a smaller guy in high school hockey. Uh, yeah, so actually the transition was, was kind of funny because I had you to look up to uh, all of my life growing up and, and still to, the, to this day. Uh, even though you're only a senior in college, you're only a year ahead of me, you're still four years ahead of me in life. Yeah. Um, and so growing up when I was in middle school and you were in high school, high school hockey games like it was so fun going and watching you and uh, our other other brother Ari play I mean you guys had the cops at your game you had you had the paramedics you always seemed to draw a pretty decent crowd it was it was high school hockey so I got to my first practice and I was so nervous just because it was high school hockey and I was shaking in my skates and I was messing up passes and the coach looked at me dude dude this is like preseason practice like what are you doing so nervous and I said you have no idea how long I've been waiting to get to uh, get to this level, but uh, I got there and, and it was so fun. Uh, I mean, first of all, you get to wear suits during during class time in school, and, and I'm a big visual guy. I'm a big you gotta look the part, and, and it fired me up. It was one of my favorite parts about playing hockey in, in school, but just being known in school and being known in the classroom for being that kid. And I was always the, the best player at my school. There was one other kid that played travel hockey on my high school hockey team, and he wasn't in the same realm as me, uh, so that was really my domain and, and how people knew me pretty much all my life uh, in that aspect in, in school and those inner circles. Right, and then so your senior year, you decided to skip out on senior year of high school hockey and you went straight into a junior hockey program, the New Jersey Renegades. Talk a little bit about that and transitioning from high school hockey to junior hockey and, and the kind of difficulties that that comes with. Yeah, it was actually uh, a jump I wasn't planning on making. I had just finished playing Tier 1 hockey, still at that Mercer Chiefs organization at Iceland. Uh, and we were actually on the golf course, and uh, the team owner and GM, Cliff Graziano, sent you a text asking if, if you wanted to come skate, just bring the pressure up and the, the pace up at tryouts. And you said, yeah, sure, can, can my little brother come? He said, of course. So we showed up, and night two, uh, he offered me a contract. I was going to go play tier two hockey at the, the Lawrence Flames. And Pete Rossi, the head coach of the team, he sat with you first in the office. I I have no idea what he said to you, but he, he pulled me in and he said, you can go play tier two hockey and ruin the development in, in your hockey game, or you can come play with us, play at the higher level. Let us show you how to get to that next level and, and get you ready to get to where you want to go. And that really spoke to me because I really did want to go play at that next level. I wanted to go as far as I can. Everybody gets told that at a certain age, you can't play the child's game anymore. Uh, and I wanted to put that age off for as long as possible. Absolutely. That tryout, actually, uh, one specific memory, I think you, you're already laughing, so I think you know what I'm going to bring up. Uh, kind of a proud moment as a hockey older brother but I guess a lot of people wouldn't really understand it but I I was actually on the ice and got to witness your very first hockey fight which was something it was a little bit electric uh, you know obviously when you're at a tryout trying to make a team especially at the junior hockey level doing anything to set yourself apart is is obviously looked at as something that's very good talk about 
kind of what's going through your mind when you know you're getting ready to get into like hockey fights are they're not staged some people think they are that's it was a real very real fight with very real punches being thrown and very real punches being received talk a, a little bit about kind of what goes through your head to prepare for something like that do you even think about it or was it just kind of something you were just like you know fuck it coach said I got to drop the gloves so I'm gonna go drop the gloves and do whatever I can to make this team yeah so it was it was night three or four uh last night of tryouts I'd already signed a contract I had a spot on the team uh and and back at night one before we even started skating the coach said boys this is junior hockey there's fighting in this league I want to see a fight during tryouts and we take that very seriously here in this organization. And there had been like one little scuffle uh, to this point in tryouts. So I took it onto myself being this little tiny undersized 17 year old, maybe even 16 year old at this point uh, that I was gonna fight. So I was chasing this one kid around the ice all night long, telling him to fight me. Uh, and he wouldn't do it. He ended up being my teammate, Nick Morelli, fun, fun kid. Um, but I went to one of the assistant coaches and I said, listen, I want to fight. Pete wants to see a fight in tryouts. We've got 15 minutes left in the skate. Whatever it was, I want to fight. And he, he said, do you know he want to fight? And I said, well, I played with Mason Jenny last year in, uh, in Mercer. And he hadn't, he hadn't signed a contract yet to that point. And he said, all right. And he went over to the other bench, said, Mason, you're fighting Ezra next shift. And he came back, said, you're ready to go. And I'm, I'm shaking, thinking about it. Like, it's, it's so funny. And you're sitting there on the bench. I'm getting fighting lessons from from three veterans and you, and they're telling me exactly what to do. And then you, you get there and you lined up and my buddy, he looked at me and goes, are we are we actually doing this? I said, yeah, I mean, you can't not do it now. Uh, and and so we, we fought, we were going and everything that was told me beforehand, like I forgot it, but like we were we were going and there was so much adrenaline and you, you knew that you were, you, I mean, you were chucking fists at that other dude standing right next to you. I didn't feel a single thing. Uh, and, and my jersey's ripped off. I'm on the ground. I get back up, right? I'm still going at it with the kid. Uh, and it, it was, I mean, it was so much fun. You you don't feel anything until you get back into the penalty box and you sit down. Uh, but he came up to me afterward and he said, dude, you are so smart because we are, we were in now. He goes, they all respect us for what we did. And I, I played, like I big dogged him. I was like, come on, man. You think I don't know what I'm doing? Um, but yeah, I ended up getting a contract that night. And I, I think that 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 was a turning point for him in those tryouts. I don't know how how effective he had been playing, but the coaches saying that you're willing to do that on the ice for your team and that's something that's important in hockey. I think that's something that I've brought to the table uh, to all the teams that I've played for, and I, I think I helped him show the coaches that he was willing to do whatever it was uh, needed for the team. Absolutely. So. Unfortunately, we do have to get into a little bit later in that year. He took a little bit of a hit. And I actually was up at prep school at the time, so I'm not too particular on the details, but you ended up injuring your shoulder to the point that you needed shoulder surgery, and that kind of ended your hockey career. What was going through your mind, you know, when you were going through that whole process of, I'm 17 years old, my shoulder's been ripped out of its socket, you know, I have to have this major shoulder surgery like what was going through your mind? Did you know what was next? Were you kind of in a space where you, you didn't know what you were gonna do? Were you trying to stay in the game somehow? What was kind of going through your mind as you as you dealt with such a gruesome injury at a young age? It's so funny, because in the end, I had no idea what I was gonna do. And it had been months in the making. I I'd, uh, actually separated my shoulder my first ever high school hockey shift in my first ever high school hockey game. I played one 
one shift in my freshman year separated my shoulder actually two I separated it got back to the bench and the guy told me to get back on the ice the coach uh, he was a pretty hardcore dude but flash forward to my junior year of high school I was playing in a showcase up in Marlboro Massachusetts and I separated twice in that game uh, and I, I didn't think anything of it all I thought was don't tell my coaches I just signed that junior hockey contract a week earlier um, and then over the summer, I'd, I'd separate it in Israel, and I get back, and we we get going in preseason. I separate it in, in our dry land workouts, and then all of a sudden, I separate it before a game. I I separate it in a couple games, and then we're getting ready to head up to a showcase in Ma in New York, up in Bruce, New York, and I separate it in the in the practice before the first game, and I I was bad because. I knew if I'd separated it again that weekend, I'd be sidelined. I'd be taken off the ice, and I did it in the second game. And I, I couldn't come back. And then I called my dad, uh, or our dad, in after the game, and I said, "I like I don't know what I'm gonna do because I I can't separate my shoulder every weekend." So I, I played one more game after that. Uh, again, up in that Brewster rink, it was a regular season, regular uh, away game, and we were no, it was that that showcase was my last my last game we were playing a youth team that got an invite to play in a junior showcase and I was cutting across the middle of the ice and I went to go avoid the hit and everybody says don't avoid hits it's how you get hurt and he he caught me on my shoulder and it popped it out and I as soon as it happened I I got back to the bench and just walked by myself across the rink and, and back to the locker room to get changed and it was tough like uh I, I told you, I called my dad and, and I, I didn't know what to say. We went, we spoke to a specialist who, like this guy's worked with pro hockey players. He works with the 76ers in the NBA, pro baseball players. And he says his number one goal is to get you back on the ice, back on the court, the field, whatever your sport is, whatever your goal is, he wants to get you there. Um, but he told me with how many times I'd messed up my shoulder, it was unlikely that I'd be able to play hockey again. And so I had a serious conversation with, with both my parents and we came to the conclusion that it might not be worth putting my body through that much stress at such a young age to where as I get older my body is just going to fall apart so college was was next up for me it was already January and I, I hadn't even applied to schools yet uh, and so I started looking at schools that had hockey programs and health science programs I wanted to be an athletic trainer I wanted to stay in the sport I wanted to travel I tell everybody that if I get a desk job just to put me out of my misery, I can't sit in one spot from nine to five. I gotta be doing stuff and I gotta be in sports. It's what I grew up, like I said, hockey defined me from a young age uh, and I wanted to be around it for as long as possible. So just cause I'm not on the ice doesn't mean I can't be around the sport. So talk a little bit about how you got from physical training and staying in the game as a physical trainer to transitioning to broadcasting and, and kind of that journey to how you figured broadcasting would keep you into the game and, and how you started looking into broadcasting and what kind of piqued your interest in that kind of aspect of the world of sports. Yeah, so after I got hurt with the Renegades, they're actually a really good organization with getting you involved in other ways. Once I got hurt, I was still on the team uh, doing other, way, other things to help out. I was the king of the scratches. Uh, I really learned a lot on the hockey operations side, but they gave me an opportunity to commentate and do color commentary for our home games. And I went in and I told you I applied to schools in January and I got accepted to Franklin Pierce University. 
and I, I got on campus and you got that feeling where like this is where you're gonna belong this is where you want to be for the next four years of your life and I, I did the tour with this Australian dude who, who butchered every word he said uh, I couldn't understand him but we get up to the third floor in our library and it's the Fitzwater Center which is our communications program and we had a radio booth and actually to this day I've never been inside that radio booth I think once to get to get certified to use it but I've never used it uh, and I, I fell in love just the idea of being able to talk about sports uh, one summer we worked out at a gym in North Jersey and driving home every day we listened to sports radio we actually became Mets fans for the summer because that's all we listened to the entire entire summer just driving home listening to ESPN talk radio and, and just the idea of doing that for a living is is what's like drives me it's it's what I want to do ever since that day I haven't been able to stop thinking about just that's what I want to do for the rest of my life so broadcasting is something obviously that's really important to you and now that's that's kind of the gear that's always turning in your head uh, how do you how do you define success for yourself in the world of broadcasting what is what is your end goal what are you trying to accomplish and what are the steps for you in order to get there and how do you see yourself achieving them so success for me is I want to reach as many people as possible I want to get to the top stage I want to be the very best at the very highest level uh, I want to be the best at everywhere that I am uh, we're a very competitive family you obviously want to be the best at hockey you want to be the best wherever you are e even during this coronavirus pandemic you're working out every day of the week you, you want to be the best you can be and I take that very seriously I think that uh, we've been raised that way and I, I bring that into broadcasting I actually told someone the other day I, I think the reason I'm so successful is because I bring that athletic mentality into broadcasting not a lot of broadcasters are, are athletes and bring that you know two a days mentality into the into the, the the world of broadcasting and I bring that with it uh, and that's what I want to do is I want to be the best I want to reach as many people as possible I've always been an underdog I've always been that undersized kid that people didn't really believe in uh, so I, I kind of want to show them off and, and and show them up and be that that guy that they're calling when they want to get tickets to a big game because they know that they're gonna see my face on the TV that's awesome yeah I don't I obviously don't know a lot of people who are in the world of broadcasting, but I cannot imagine that there are people out there that are putting in the same amount of effort and the same amount of preparation into doing broadcasts as you. I mean, this this kid literally wrote down an entire five-page game notes on an NHL game that we were going to in person just so that he could put it into a folder and slip it under the door of the broadcast booth just to try to get his name out there. I mean, you prepare hours and hours and hours on game notes. I don't think there's a single broadcaster in Division Three or Division Two sports that puts in the same time and the same effort to understanding not only the stats and, and previous like athletic stories of kids at their own school, but also the, the athletic history of kids at other schools. And just so that you can have one statement about one kid in a league he played in six years ago, like you are so prepared for all your games it's kind of awesome to see uh like how you prepare and kind of bringing that athletic mindset and athletic preparation into the world of broadcasting uh and so i don't want to take up a little bit too much of your time but tell me what's what's next on your journey so you're going to graduate next year from franklin pierce with a degree in sports 
broadcasting sports, sports media sports media there you go i'm sorry uh what's next on your journey and what's next in the world of broadcasting for Ezra Janelle? so i i've actually been fortunate enough to make a, a couple of contacts in the world uh, and one guy actually told me to learn how to fill out the unemployment application uh, because there's not, there's not a ton of opportunities in sports media. There's there's a good amount, but there's not a ton in sports broadcasting and play-by-play positions. And that when you get to that that entry-level position, you're not going to get paid a lot of money, and it's usually seasonal jobs. Um, but I I have no doubt in my mind I'm going to find something, even if it's taking a step back and and commentating junior hockey games. Uh, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to that level I want to commentate I tell everybody my goal is to commentate a sport in the Olympics it doesn't matter what sport it could be it could be team handball it doesn't matter there could be zero viewers just getting to that that level the Olympics the the world stage is is what I want to do so whatever I can do to get there I don't know what it's going to look like once I graduate but whatever I can do is is that's what my plan is is just do it so before I let you go uh go ahead and plug your own pod and let the people know where they can find you yeah, so pretty much every streaming service for podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music are the big ones. Uh, and social media, Instagram, uh, the College Hockey Podcast at College H-K-Y-P-O-D. You can also go to our website, collegehockeypodcast.com and find out where our YouTube page is, all of, all of our extra media, and who's coming up next on the podcast. Awesome. Thanks so much. What a solid interview with Ezra. I think we really got a glimpse of what goes on in his head and how he's turned a brutal injury at a young age into what looks to be a lifetime of success staying in the game he loves. Make sure to give us a follow on Anchor and tune in next week as we continue to piece together all the mental aspects to becoming a successful person. Stay positive, stay healthy, we'll see you next week.